Are you guys doing? You making the uh, transition to the cooler weather okay? Got our sweaters out. Got our <laughs> Some are like, no. <laughs> Bring back the warmth. Hey, we've been in a series for the last several weeks on uh, spiritual warfare, and really it's been focusing on that armor, those pieces of armor that God has given us to really navigate that spiritual world that we are a part of. And um, uh, we are kind of getting to the end of it. Uh, today, I feel like I need to give you a little bit of a warning because more than uh, maybe previous weeks, I always try and give you something you can go and put into practice. But this is kind of the, the week that everything that we've been talking about is brought together and uh, that we're really kind of given this insight into what God has called us to uh, be. What does it mean to be a representative of his, both in this world, but also in the spiritual world? So um, are you ready? You guys, <laughs> you guys are what? I would never asked that. Um, yeah, today. Uh, so we're going to be looking at that today. It should be a good week. Um, going to start out. Sticks and stones will break my bones, but what? Names will never hurt me. What's another way of saying that? Sticks and stones will break my bones, but words, words, because sometimes people go beyond just names, right? And they start using all kinds of words to hurt. And, and words will never hurt me. Is it true? No, not really. We find that out when we're older, right? We, we say that when we're kids, and then we're like, ah, that's not exactly true. In fact, in uh, Proverbs 18, 21, it says, death and life are actually in the power of the tongue. How many of you guys have ever been touched by either the life part of that, right? Encouragement and grace that people pour into your lives with words, or the death part of that, right? We've probably had instances of both. Uh, so it may be that words are more potent than we originally believed, Right as kids. In fact, in, in uh, Hebrews eleven verse three, it says, "By faith we understand that the worlds, the ages, the eons, they were created by the word of God." Right. So even our our whole world, our universe, it's framed and sustained by by word, by these words granted, the words of God, it, and it ends up that our words they either can reflect and echo. The, the grace and the creativity and the power of God's words, or else we use them in empty ways and they become deceitful, they become um, manipulative, they become destructive. They replace what's really truth and substance with, with kind of um, just fantasy, with lies, with things that are just mists that you can't grab onto, right? They have no power, but that's the power of words, and over the last several weeks, we've been we've been looking at uh, Ephesians six. We've been looking at this armor that God has given us to navigate the spiritual world that we're a part of, and and we've seen that there is this this um, battle really that's going on in this in this spiritual world. There's this um, this battle that's happening, and we have been given um, the equipment to be able to navigate that well and to do the work that God has called us to do there. And, and so over the last several weeks, the, the, we saw the, the, the armor. It starts with the, the truth that we're girded with, the breastplate of righteousness, the, the shoes of the gospel of peace, the, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation. And all of that up to this point has been primarily defensive, right? It protects us from what's coming in towards us. But this week in Ephesians six seventeen. Uh, this, this list concludes with the one offensive weapon that it says that God gives us. So let's stand 
Uh, we're going to look at Ephesians 6. We're going to start in about verse 13. I'm going to summarize a lot of that till we get to 617. But it starts out, it says, so take up the full armor of God. If we leave any parts of this out, it doesn't do us any good, right? You go running out without a helmet. You might have the rest of the armor, but all it takes is one hit to the head and you're gone, right? So take on the full armor of God and stand firm. Having girded your your uh, midsection with truth. We talked about that. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness, have your feet shod with the steadiness of the gospel of peace, taking up the shield of faith, taking up the helmet of salvation. But then it says this, and taking up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The word of God. You know, in the times that Ephesians was being written, if you came into a room carrying a sword, it said two things about you. One was that you had in your hand the power of life and death, right? Because it was literally, it was a weapon. It could, it could either be, you could spare someone or it could, it could take them out. And so you had the power of life and death, but it also said that you were standing in that place that you had authority uh, that had been commissioned to you. You, were been, you had been authorized by someone else to carry that sword, to exercise that power, Right? And now it may have been the Roman government had issued you that sword. It may have been a private citizen had given you a sword because they needed a bodyguard. It may have been some rebel group or some foreign power, but someone had authorized that. And that meant that when you came into the room with a sword, not only did you have this power, but you also were representing someone else's intentions, someone else's purposes, and you were were enforcing their will, and their authority. That is why you had been authorized with this sword. With the the sword of the Spirit, it's the same way. This isn't just about speaking whatever words come to our minds, right? This is about speaking the very thoughts, the purposes, the intentions of God into a situation, over a person's life, into a a setting in in a way that is meant to bring things into alignment, meant to change things. And bring them into alignment with God's good purposes for that person, for that situation, for that setting. Amen? It comes with the power of the Spirit. It's not just our sword, it's the sword of the Spirit. It comes with the very power and the backing of the Spirit. The Spirit and the authority, the power that raised Jesus from the dead. You guys are authorized to carry that sword. Isn't that amazing? It's kind of crazy, right? Have you guys ever thought about that? No. Okay. Well, we're going to talk about it today, right? Today's message is titled On Good Authority. So let's pray. Father, um, we know that our words, um, they can fall flat. They can be deceitful. They can be, they can be many things. <laughs> but your words, your words are clear. They're true. They're tested. They're powerful. They never fail. They never come back to you without accomplishing what you sent them out for. So, Father, your words, your words are the words that we want to echo, we want to speak. Your words are the words that we want to see spoken into this world. That is an authority that you have given to us. You have given us the, the power and the authority to speak the very words that you speak and the very power of your spirit so that salvation, your rescue, your work might be done in the lives and in this world that we live in. And so, Father, um, we need to understand that. We need to know what this means. We need your insight and your wisdom. We need to know what it means to be authorized by you 
to be your representatives in this world and how we might do that effectively so that you might receive the honor that you deserve, that your kingdom might come and your will be done on this earth as it is in heaven, so that Jesus' name might be lifted up and people might see him and give him the, the praise that he deserves and the glory and the honor that he deserves for the sacrifice that he made, that they might understand the power and the nature of the Holy Spirit. That we might understand today, Lord, the, the nature of, of that creation, that person you've made us to be so that we might stand with authority in the heavenly places and be able to do the business of the kingdom effectively in your name and with your authority. So, Father, teach us today. Holy Spirit, come and set this place apart this time and this space apart for your work. I pray that these words that come out of my mouth, they would not be my own. They wouldn't be my best thoughts. They would only echo and be reinforced by the words that you have spoken in your scriptures, through your son, in this creation. God, let your word be heard here today. We pray in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Have a seat. So yesterday I was uh, driving, I was uh, going on, um, had a couple of errands to do and I got, I was going down Post Road and I got to downtown and there were two police cruisers that were uh, sitting there with their lights on and there were two guys in the middle of, of, the, um, of the intersection diverting traffic around off of Post Road. I was thinking, you know, I don't know if any of you guys got caught in that. Yesterday was Veterans Day, so they had their parade going on. So I, I, I don't know how I do this, but regularly, you know, on days like that, I always choose to do my, uh, run my errands right when they're having the parade, you know. And, and so you get down there and it's like, oh yeah, I gotta go, you know, not, not today, you know. So you go around. Now, now tell me something, if, if any of us were to just go out into a random like intersection, especially a, a busy intersection, and we were just to stand out there and hold up our hands, what would happen? Right, we'd be honked at, we might get hit. If we got hit, would, they, would anybody get, they'd say, well, that was your fault. You went and stood in the middle of an intersection. What do you expect to happen there, right? But, but there's something about when these guys in certain uniforms and they have a certain badge on their chest and they have a, you know, a, a firearm at their side and they go out there and they hold up their hands and what happens? Everybody stops. They listen, why? Why? Because that uniform, that badge, that sidearm, they say, this is someone who has been authorized to go out in and they can, direct, they can direct traffic at any time they feel is necessary in any way that they feel is fit. They have been authorized to do that. And for that reason, when a policeman, because that's what we're talking about, right? Everybody with me, right? Policeman. Okay, so um, a policeman, when, whenever they re retire, whenever they're fired, whenever they just move on to a different place or a different job, they have to turn in that uniform. They have to turn in that badge. They have to turn in that firearm. Why? Because those are symbols of their authority that come from being commissioned under the authority of whatever town, whatever municipality that they're serving, right? The sword of the spirit is God's authorization that is given to those who are authorized by him in the spiritual realm. So God's word is given to God's people under God's authority to be used in that spiritual world to, to accomplish his business, to get his, biz, his business done and to accomplish his will. So we also have a uniform. We've been talking about that, right? 
So we have that breastplate and we have that, that belt of truth and we have those, those shoes of the gospel. That's like, we have our, our uniform. We have that identity. You know, police officers, they'll often, they'll call their badge, they'll call their shield, right? Because it represents that shield. It's that protection of that authority that's over them. We have our shield. We have our shield of faith. We have that identity in that, that helmet that when people see the helmet, they see, oh, you're, you're with that team Jesus, right? You're with God's people. So we have that badge of identity. We also have the weapon of our authority, that thing that is given with the power to carry out the work that is intended by the one who has sent us. The sword is to be used called the word of God. So we say, what is that word? Tell me about, you know, what is that word of God that we're talking about? Well, we already saw in, in Hebrews 11, 11.3, where it says that the word of God is that very word that was spoken. It comes with power. It's the word that framed the whole universe, is what holds the whole universe together, right? So this is the power. We see it, that played out in Genesis 1, where we look back and we see it, the original uh, story of creation, where it says God created the heavens and the earth, and he spoke, and it was, Right? So the, the, the whole universe is created on the, the power and, and through the, the creative nature of, the, of the, the word of God. In Hebrews 4.12 then, it says, and the word of God is living and it's active and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces to the division of the soul and the spirit, both the joints and the marrow, to that place to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. You guys, I don't know about you, but I don't know where my soul and spirit meet, right? You know, those are two kind of, uh, if they're two pieces of me, they're two hidden pieces of me, and I don't know where the division of those two is. I don't know, I don't know where my thoughts and intentions always come from, right? Sometimes they pop up and I'm going, I don't know where that came from. But this verse, it tells us, you know what? The, the word of God, it sees, it sees into those places. It calls out those things that sometimes we're not even aware of about ourselves or about others. And it says that it has a life of its own. It's living and active. So this isn't a sword that I get to take out and kind of wield whatever way I want, right? This is a sword that actually moves me. This is a sword that actually... Um, shapes me and transforms me and calls me into account, even by the very way that I use it, calls me into account to use it correctly. And so this is a, a sword that has this, this, it's living and active. It has this life of its own. But then Isaiah 50, 55, 11, it talks about God's word and he says, and God says, you know what? I don't send out my word in, in an empty manner. I don't send it. It doesn't come back to me without accomplishing that for which I sent it. God doesn't waste words. He doesn't say something he doesn't mean. He doesn't make a promise that he doesn't intend to carry out. He doesn't send something out and say it will be if it's not going to be the way that he has said it will be. God doesn't waste his words the way that we often do. He doesn't lie. He doesn't deceive. He doesn't manipulate. He doesn't try and pad what he's saying. And so to take up his word, take up this sword, take up his authority... It's not just saying the first word that comes to my mind for that situation or for that person. It's not just saying the first thing that comes rolling off my tongue. Right? I mean, this is, this is God's word. So to take his word up, it doesn't matter how, how religious it sounds to me to say that thing. It doesn't matter how logical it might seem to me. It doesn't matter how emotional it feels to me. 
to take up God's word, to speak out God's word is to speak out the very purposes and intention, the very will of God. It's to say those things and nothing more, nothing less. That is what will then be backed up by the power of the spirit. Those are the very words of God. Then the spirit of God, it's not just, it doesn't say that this is just our sword. This is a spirit's sword that he would use us almost to speak out his words into the situations in the lives in which things need to change. And the effectiveness of that word then is seen. You see that it's the word of God because things begin to change. So it doesn't matter what we say. It doesn't matter how many verses we quote about something. If we're not speaking in line with the authority and the intention and the purposes of God, it's just, it's just, it's just chatter. It's just noise. But when God's word comes and it comes with power, then the world, the very worlds around us are changed. Amen? What's amazing is <laughs> that's been given to us. It says, and I've given you the, you know, take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You guys, that's why the sword comes at the very end of this list, right? Because if you think about it, to carry the sword well, you have to have the rest of the, you ha- I mean, carrying the sword well comes out of wearing the rest of the armor well, doesn't it? Right, if you go running out on a battlefield with just a sword, you're not gonna last very long, Right? If you go running, if you, we have to take up the whole armor of God. And so it says, it says to take up the sword, you know what you need to start with? You need to, be, you need to be completely surrounded with, belted by the truth. Because God's word comes out of that truth. It comes out of the strength that comes from that truth and the protection of that. You need to be covered by the righteousness of Jesus, not just your own. Right, Because the, be able to speak that with confidence and effectively, it comes out of the righteousness of Jesus, not your good works. Right, but You need to have the confidence of the, the shoes of the gospel of peace. I remind you, you, know, you, you, have a, you have a relationship with God now and you're at peace with him because the, the strength to be able to swing that sword, to be able to use that word well is gonna come out of that peace that you have with God and you're standing with him. You have to know that you stand under the protection, not of how hard you believe, but of the greatness of the one you believe in, right? That's the shield. Your shield is him, and it shields you, covers you. And you need, you need to also have on your head this helmet of salvation because really the, the word of God is spoken clearly and effectively only, only, only when it's identified with Jesus, when it's in line with the purposes of God to bring salvation and rescue to a world that has in, is in prison or is, is oppressed, is broken, to bring healing and grace to that world. So again, these, are words, these aren't just the words that first just kind of roll off our tongue. These are the words of God, and they come in power with the power of the Spirit. That is the sword of the Spirit. Now, in the Greek language, um, the Greeks had, which this is what the book of Ephesians was originally written in, and, and they have several terms for the word, word, right? And Paul uses an interesting term for the word, word in, in Ephesians 6. Normally, you'd use this word, this term, logos. And logos was kind of the generic Greek word. It just meant, it just meant um, kind of anything that's spoken, anything that's written and established as kind of a communication that's done, any, any message that's sent by any means, anything that communicates something can be called a logos, a word, 
right? So Jesus, in, in John 1.1, Jesus is called the Logos of God because he was literally this living message that lived in front of us and spoke to us just through his life. So he's called the Logos of God. And that's, that's Logos. But in Ephesians 6, Paul uses this word, this term, rhema, rhema. Now, in many contexts, rhema is just a, it's a, you know, it's just interchangeable with logos. But sometimes it leans into its more specific, its more kind of technical meaning, which is rhema often means that word that is being spoken in that moment, intentionally chosen for that time and that place and that setting. It's the word that is spoken, not just the word that could be spoken. So in, in God's word, we have a, a bunch of words that could be spoken, but how do you take from the logos and you choose what word needs to be spoken in this moment? He says, that's the rhema, that's the sword. That's when you're taking God's and his word and you're applying his authority to a given situation. You say, this, this situation, this life needs this word to see God's change come in it. So the rhema of God, which God, which is the sword of the spirit, is this message that God wishes to speak through us into a given setting at a given time because he knows that is the word that will bring the change that he wishes to make. That is the, the word that will bring the freedom. God's word, God's rhema, is God's word of salvation in that moment. That's why in Romans 10, 8, it, it, the, the word rhema is used when it talks about this word that's in our mouth, right? It says it's the word of salvation, but it's the word of faith. It's that word that we can speak that will bring salvation. We don't have to have somebody come down from heaven. We don't have to have somebody come up from the grave to tell us, to get us. It says the word is in your mouth to be spoken. That rhema word, what is it? To call on the name of the Lord. It says if you, if you call out and, and just call out upon his name, you'll be rescued. You will be saved. But it's that spoken word in that moment. That's the word that's needed. So the rhema of God, it says that is what the sword of the spirit is, this rhema of God that's spoken. So when do we see rhema happen? When, when, when might you see rhema, the rhema of God used? Well, it may be, you know, somebody's struggling, right? And you have a friend who's struggling as you pray about it and they're struggling, let's say, with their finances. And as you, as you pray about it, God brings his word to your mind. You say, you know what? As you talk to him, what do they need to know? And in that moment, you might say to them, and some of you guys, you might be sitting there struggling with your finances, you're saying, yeah, what is God's word for that moment, right? Well, his word is this, is that, you know what? Our God owns everything, right? Our God owns it all. He created it all. It's all in his hand. So he has it to give, doesn't he? It's all his. And so you say, yeah, but why would he give it to me? Because our God, in James, it says our God is a giving God. In fact, it says he doesn't change. That generous spirit of who he is, it doesn't change. It never fluctuates. It doesn't even have a shadow that passes it, that just mildly alters it. Our God is the giving God who's always giving to us. And not only is he always giving to us as if we are just kind of his creatures and you know he feeds the birds and the animals, but you know what? In Jesus, God's intention for you is not just that he would be able to love you and be able to pour out his blessing on you as one of many, his many subjects, right? He's the king and he just kind of throws things off from his balcony and we hope to catch a lollipop or something, right? That's how sometimes we think of God just kind of benevolently throwing things out and I hope I catch something. But it isn't that. 
He says, no, in Jesus, that his whole intention was that you would be adopted and you would be known to him as a child so that when you walk into his throne room and you boldly come to the throne of grace, that you might be able to lay any request to him and his attention will turn to you. Why? Because you're his child. That's how he loves you. That's how his attention has always been. When you were running from him, he was chasing you. He was was searching for you as a lost child. So when you come back and when you have this thing that you're struggling with, so how does he provide for you? He provides for you as he would for his child. So Luke, Luke says, man, every father on earth knows how to give good gifts to their children. Don't you think that God would know how to give good gifts to his? Right? And so he will be the one who will supply all your needs according to his riches, not according to your lack, not according to even your ability, but according to his riches and glory. That's the word of God. And that is the rhema of God that can come into a darkness where people are overwhelmed by just spirits of poverty or or thoughts of unworthiness or or this ignorance that they have about what scripture actually says or this uncertainty about where they stand. And that's what can shatter that darkness. That's what can shatter those chains that keep them from knowing what the grace and the love of God are all about. Right? That's the rhema of God. And that changes everything. You guys, the rhema might be, it might be when you share the gospel with someone that doesn't have a relationship with Jesus yet. And they might not have a relationship with Jesus yet because they don't, they don't know who God is yet. They see him as this big God who's up there with this big stick and he's just waiting to just whack you when you do something wrong, right? Instead of seeing that he is this loving father that's just waiting for us to, man, just quit messing up your lives so I can bless you, Right? They don't see that that's who God is. And all of a sudden, the gospel tells them, man, he, he gave the best he had for us. He's not that mean old guy with the stick. And they say, well, and it might wipe, it might take out these, these speculations and all this stuff that stands in the way of us knowing that, you know what, where we might not have a good idea of what does it take to know God and to come to him. And we think we gotta earn it. We gotta, we gotta work hard to be good enough so that God will accept us. And he says, no, it's not about your righteousness. Because the gospel and the gospel just, that word, that rhema just blows that apart and says, no, we'd never be good enough. So God offers it as a gift, just receive it. It might blow away just in, just wipe out those misconceptions about who Jesus was, that he was maybe just a, a good, you know, a good guy, a good man who just knew a lot of stuff. You know, he's the son of God, right? So the rhema comes in, it just changes everything. The word that's spoken in the right moment, at the right time, in that situation, with the very authority of God to bring about the intentions and the purposes of God. Raymond may be a, a command of healing while you're praying for someone who's, who's dealing with an illness and you just, God just stirs up and when you says, no, I intend to heal this one. So speak it, say it. By his stripes, you're healed, say it. We say it and, and healing comes. It may be, a prophetic message that's given to a church. It may be a teaching that where you're teaching and, and people aren't clear on the nature of God or on the nature of who we are, you know, and, and God uses just a teaching in that moment. It also, I want you to hear this. It may be a word of praise. Have you guys ever thought about that? Why do we sing songs at the beginning of service, right? Why do we do that? It's because praise changes things. 
It shifts our minds from thinking about whatever we were thinking God was or whatever we think life was about or whatever we think the situation was, and it brings God's word, and we speak it not just singly, but we speak it together. Sure, we set it to music. That's God's rhema, and it comes and it changes. Sometimes when you speak a word, a word of praise that says, you know, and people are, oh, isn't life miserable? It's just horrible. The world's falling apart and I'm falling apart, and, right? And you say, no, but God is good, you know? And it can change things because our eyes are drawn to the things that are true, not the things that are passing. The things that are good, not just the things that are kind of crushing around us. All of these are examples of what Rhema, how God can speak his word through us in his time and with his power in a way that changes the things that are in ways that establishes faith. It can bring about miracles. It can, it can give insight. It can even usher someone into the very kingdom of God into eternity, right? That's the, that's the power of the word of God. Now, in each of these pieces of armor, I've said there's a God part, there's a me part, there's an us part, right? So in the, in the rhema of God, the, the God part is this. All of these words, they're his, the only words that are worth speaking are his, right? If I just throw my words out there, they don't have any authority, they don't have any power. They, 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 the only words that accomplish anything find their source in him. If I say something that's true, whether I find it in God's word or I find it in creation, if it's true, it'll stand. Why? Because it comes with his power. That's part of, I mean, it's just, that's, it's reflecting or echoing the rhema of God. So God's part in all this is that these are his and they are sent to change things. And so he backs them with his power. He backs them with the reality that they change things. But that means that he also, he sends them and he directs them. So his is the time and the place, right? His is the, his is the messenger that brings the word. And so he chooses those things. So we need to listen and to know, you know, where's the time, where's the place, and am I supposed to be the one speaking it, Right? That's, that gets into the me part. We need to go through our life listening. There are times that we need to, um, you know, we need to be open to him using us, but we, that also means that we need to be prepared for him uh, to, use, to use us, right? That means that if I'm gonna be ready for God to use me to speak his word sometimes, I need to make sure that I have the belt of truth on, right? That I'm immersed in, and really that I'm wrapped in the belt of truth, that I am established in Jesus' righteousness, not just my own, that I'm not just trying to make good works enough that I'll stand up before, before God, but that I have Jesus, that I know that I'm standing you know, firmly in a relationship with Jesus so, so that I have peace with God. I need to be the one that is trusting in the God who is my shield and not just trusting, trying to trust hard enough or trusting in my ability to trust or anything else other than him. I need to be the one who is wearing this, this helmet of salvation so I am identified not just by what God is working in me but what he is working through me. My purpose in life is to join him in his mission of salvation to bring salvation to the world. Then I can hear and I can speak, and I can listen. Then I am prepared to speak those words of God in a way that are effective because then I'm aligned to him and his purposes and his call. That's me part. So what's the us part? Well, the us part is this. Sometimes, especially, and this is really important when it comes to speaking words that are authorized and empowered by God, 
Why? Because sometimes those words, they're too big. They're too big for any one of us to figure out. I might go into this, this, a situation and I say, you know what, I think God wants to speak there. I think he really wants to do something there. But I don't know what he wants to speak and I don't know how he wants to say it. And I don't know if I'm the right one to bring it, right? And so it's really important that I, I go and I bring this to the wider body and I say, you know what, I think God wants to speak there. He's really put on my heart that he wants to release something there that is not there right now to bring about his salvation. And it's gonna come through his word. He's gonna bring his word somehow. So I, I, I think he wants to speak because I need others to help me discern what that word might be. Have you guys ever been there before? Where you need others to help you unpack. God has put a burden on my heart for something, but I don't know how to go at it. And so you go to brothers and sisters in Christ and you join and you go before God and you say, God, help us to, un to understand this, to know what we're supposed to say, who's supposed to say it, how we're supposed to go at this. When is the right time to do this thing so that this thing might be undone? Because I know you want it undone. I know you want something new established there through your word, Right? And so we go to the body. You guys, this is one, this is actually, this is the most powerful use of this sword. You understand that? It's when the body of Christ comes together and we are held together by the truth that makes us of one heart and one mind. We're, we're under the same righteousness of Christ. So none of us is bragging about how I'm better than so-and-so and they're not quite as good as me because we're all under the righteousness of Christ and we're all grounded in this complete confidence and faith that makes us unshakable and unmovable because we know we have peace with God and we have the right to come to his throne and we have the right to come before him through the blood of Christ. We are grounded and we can't be moved from that and we are under the protection of his, his strength not our ability to believe, but his faithfulness. And we are together of one mind and one heart in the commission to carry out his work of salvation. We have the helmet of Jesus, the helmet of salvation on our heads. And when we pick up the sword together and we speak with one heart and one mind into situations in our in lives or in, in our community or in our world, and we speak those things in the heavenly place in faith, because that's what brings down principalities and powers. That's what 2 Corinthians talks about, that, that he has given us these weapons that are divinely powerful for wiping out fortresses, which are speculations and empty philosophies that are raised up against knowing God. You guys, that is what brings those down. That's what empties prisons out. That's what sets prisoners free, and that's what heals the sick and binds up the brokenhearted. It's when the body of Christ rises as the body of Christ and speaks with one voice the word of God into this world and into the heavenly places and calls into account the spiritual powers that are behind some of these things, calls them into account, binds them by that authority and drives them from that place. Speaking the rhema of God so that we think of individuals but so that communities and nations and even generations can be released into the blessing that God had intended for them rather than the darkness where they're bound. So how do we do that? How do we do this? You guys, if we're gonna take up the sword of the spirit, and I've already touched on this one, but four things. One, we need to suit up. We need to suit up. Each one of us needs to suit up, but we need to suit up together, Right? 
suit up. How? Well, some of you guys, you guys just need to, you need to get more immersed in, in the truth of God, that truth, that belt that goes around your waist. You need to spend some time with other believers and just find out what has God said so that my, my mind is shaped and framed. I'm not speaking my words anymore, but I'm gonna speak his words that I, I think in ways that are aligned with his thinking instead of just my own. We need to suit up. We need to put on the belt of truth. We need to, we need to realize Man, I don't stand in my righteousness. I don't, I'm not trying to be good enough for God. I'm trying to live out this life that comes from the righteousness that he has given me in Christ, from the forgiveness and the, the knowledge that, again, that, that, that strength and that grace, that confidence that I don't have to move because I am in good standing with God. Right? I, I can't be moved from that because he hangs on to me. I don't hang on to him. Right? That's a confidence. That's, a, that's, a, that's feet that are planted that can't be moved. I, I stand under his protection. He is my shield. So that we're not, we're not drawn off and we go running off thinking that somehow I gotta believe hard enough. I can't believe hard enough, so I'm out. Right? It's not about that. It's I believe in a God who doesn't change. I'm with his people and we're under his protection. I have to suit up. I have to put on my head this helmet of salvation. But second is this, we need to learn how to listen up, right? So we suit up, we get ready. We spend time with each other, getting to know what God has given us and this, this grace and this salvation and this, I mean, I mean this, all of this. But then second, we need to listen up. As I'm reading scripture, as I'm with God's people, or as I'm just walking through life, I need to pay attention because there will be things that God stirs something up in me where I see a situation, I go, that has to change. And it's not just coming from my mind. It's not just coming from our culture. You know, our culture has a way of just kind of highlighting things for the news and, and everything else. You know, this got to change and that got to change. And it's every week, you'll notice, they'll move you from one thing to the other. Some of these things never change. They just kind of, but they keep our attention, don't they, right? But sometimes the spirit of God will say, no, you got to pay attention. You got you to engage this thing until it changes. You got to keep leaning into this until you see God change it. And that stirs up in you you need to pay attention to that because that's where he's saying, I want to speak my word into that. I want to use you to use my sword to bring change to that situation. So we need to listen up for those things because then, and this is a key, we need to gather up, right? A lot of times when we listen up, we hear God say something, we go, oh, I'll go rushing in all by myself. I don't care what kind of armor you have if you go rushing in all by yourself, you're gonna get taken out. He gives us the body so that we might stand up as one and take up the sword and be able to speak. So gather up. When, you have, when God puts something on your heart or he has put you in a place where you know change needs to happen, you gather some people around you and you say, you guys, I need help finding out what the will and what the purpose and what the word of God is for this situation. Daniel, when he was in, uh, we read about Daniel, you know, and. Uh, the lion's den and the, you know, the uh, getting thrown in the fire, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but Daniel, you know, getting, uh, getting all these things where uh, his life is threatened at times. But there was one point he said, you know what? I need to pull my friends together. If I'm gonna, I need a wisdom that's beyond me. And so he brought his three friends together. He says, we need to pray until God gives us an answer. And God did. He gave them the word and the answer that they needed, the wisdom, the insight, but also the word that needed to be spoken to the king that changed the kingdom. So gather up. 
Don't try and do this alone. Sometimes discern it together. So we need to suit up. We need to listen up. We need to gather up. But then we need to speak up. When God reveals that word, that word that needs to be spoken, speak it out. Speak it out, right? And, and each of us, you may have a different, you know, it, it may be that to speak it out means that you take it to prayer and you speak it in the heavenly places together. It may be that, that one of you, you know, one person is, is kind of said, hey, you have insight into this or you have an in kind of a connection into this. And so you need to speak, you speak the word and we'll be praying with you about because we're fully in on this word coming into this. They're bringing the word too. They're just playing a different role supportive role, but it, whatever it is, it's God, do I need to speak? Do I need to pray? Do I need to, do I need to bring a word of praise? Do I need to bring a word of teaching? Do I need to proclaim? Is it to an individual? Is it to, is it more kind of broad than that? Is it in the heavenly places that nobody's even going to know about, but it's going to bring change? God, what is it? Speak it, speak it and bring his authority to bear, bring his word to bear boldly over the situation of the life that needs to change. Amen. That's the sword of the Spirit that's been given to us. That's the authority that we've been given to see God change our world. Amen. You guys, uh, can you guys think of times and places that you know that God wants to change? I mean, that listening up. Can you guys think of times, even situations in your life, or the situations in the lives of those around you? Do you have those? Did I mean immediately come to mind? Well, suit up, right? You've been listening up. Gather with some others. Gather them around so that you might have the insight so that we're not just rattling off with our words, but we're, we're really bringing God's word, speaking that. Speaking God's, with God's voice and God's authority into that. And then speak it. Speak it together. Speak it as one. Amen?